Alawapa, friends. It's the 13th day of Might, the year 175 of the Baha'i calendar, September 20th, 2018. Um, I'm going to read to you today from the Promulgation of Universal Peace by Abdu'l-Baha. This was a talk given on April 21st, 1912 at the Universalist Church in Washington, D.C., The doctrines and creed of this church, so capably expressed by its revered minister, are truly commendable, sanctified, and worthy of praise and glorification. For these precepts are opposed to the deep-rooted religious prejudices of the day. It is evident that prejudices arising from adherence to religious forms and imitations of ancestral beliefs have hindered the progress of humanity thousands of years. How many wars and battles have been fought? How much division, discord, and hatred have been caused by this form of prejudice. But inasmuch as this century is a century of revelation of reality, praise be to God, the thoughts of men are being directed toward the welfare and unity of humanity. Daily the mirage of of imitations is passing away, and the ocean of truth is surging more tumultuously. All the existing nations had a divine foundation of truth or reality originally, which was intended to be conducive to the unity and accord of mankind. But the light of that reality gradually became obscured. The darkness of superstitions and imitations came and took its place, binding the world of humanity in the chains and fetters of ignorance. Enmity arose among men, increasing to such an extent that nations strove against nation in hatred and violence. War has been a religious and political human heritage. Now it is enough. We must investigate reality. We must put away these superstitions. It is a self-evident truth that all humanity is the creation of God. All are his servants and under his protection. All are recipients of his bestowals. God is kind to all his servants. At most it is this, that some are ignorant. They must be educated in order that they may become intelligent. Some are immature as children. They must be aided and assisted in order that they may become mature. Some are sick and ailing. They must be healed. But the suffering patient must not be tested by false treatment. The child must not be warped and hindered in its development. The ignorant must not be restricted by censure and criticism. We must look for the real, true remedy. All the prophets of God, including Jesus Christ, appeared in the world for the education of humanity to develop immature souls into maturity, to transform the ignorant of mankind into the knowing, thereby establishing love and unity through divine education and training. The prophets have not come to cause discord and enmity, for God has wished all good for his servants, and he who wishes the servants of God evil is against God. He has not obeyed the will and emulated the example of God. He has followed satanic leadings and footprints. The attributes of God are love and mercy. The attribute of Satan is hate. Therefore, he who is merciful and kind to his fellow men is manifesting the divine attribute, and he who is hating and hostile toward a fellow creature is satanic. God is absolute love, even as Jesus Christ has declared, and Satan is utter hatred. Wherever love is witnessed, know that there is a manifestation of God's mercy. Whenever you meet hatred and enmity, know that there are the, these are the evidences and attributes of Satan. 
The prophets have appeared in this world with the mission that human souls may become the expressions of the merciful, that they may be educated and developed, attain to love and amity, and establish peace and agreement. In the world of existence, the animal is the captive of nature. Its actions are according to the exigencies and requirements of nature. It has no consideration or consciousness of good and evil. It simply follows its natural instinct and inclination. The prophets of God have come to show man the way of righteousness in order that he may not follow his own natural impulse, but govern his action by the light of their precept and example. According to their teachings, he should do that which is found to be praiseworthy by the standard of reason and judgment of intellect, even though it be opposed to his natural human inclination. And he should not do that which is found to be unworthy by that same standard, even though it be in the direction of his natural impulse and desire. Therefore, man must follow and manifest the attributes of the merciful. The imperfect members of society, the weak souls in humanity, follow their natural trend. Their lives and actions are in accord with their natural propensities. They are captives of physical susceptibilities. They are not in touch or in tune with the spiritual bounties. Man has two aspects, the physical, which is subject to nature, and the merciful or divine, which is connected with God. If the physical or natural disposition in him should, over, should overcome the heavenly and merciful, he is then the most degraded of, human, of animal beings. And if the divine and spiritual should triumph over the human and natural, he is verily an angel. The prophets come into the world to guide and educate humanity, so that the animal nature of man may disappear and the divinity of his powers become awakened. The divine aspect or spiritual nature consists of the breath of the Holy Spirit. The second birth of which Jesus has spoken refers to the appearance of the heavenly nature in man. It is expressed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he who is baptized by the Holy Spirit is a veritable manifestation of divine mercy to mankind. Then he becomes just and kind to all humanity. He entertains prejudice and ill will toward none. He shuns no nation or people. The foundations of the divine religion are one. If we investigate these foundations, we discover much ground for agreement. But if we consider the imitations of forms and ancestral beliefs, we find points of disagreement and division. For these imitations differ, while the sources and foundations are one and the same. This is to say the fundamentals are conducive to unity, but imitations are the cause of disunion and dismemberment. Whosoever is lacking in love for humanity or manifests hatred and bigotry toward any part of it violates the foundation and source of his own belief and is holding to forms and imitations. Jesus Christ declares that the sun rises upon the evil and the good and the rain descends upon the just and the unjust upon all humanity alike. Christ was a divine mercy which shone upon all mankind, the medium for the descent of the bounty of God, and the bounty of God is transcendent, unrestricted, universal. The reverend minister read from the words of the gospel, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. 
The century has dawned when the Spirit of Truth can reveal these verities to mankind. Proclaim that very word, establish the real foundations of Christianity, and deliver the nations and peoples from the bondage of forms and imitations. The cause of discord, prejudice, and animosity will be removed. The basis of love and amity be established. Therefore, all of you must strive with heart and soul in order that enmity may disappear entirely and that strife and hatred pass away absolutely from the midst of the human world. You must listen to the admonition of the Spirit of Truth. You must follow the example and footprints of Jesus Christ. Read the Gospels. Jesus Christ was mercy itself, was love itself. He even prayed in behalf of his executioners for those who crucified him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If they knew what they were doing, they would not have done it. Consider how kind Jesus Christ was, that even upon the cross he prayed for his oppressors. We must follow his example. We must emulate the prophets of God. We must follow Jesus Christ. We must free ourselves from all these imitations which are the source of darkness in the world. I shall ask you a a question. Did God create us for love or for enmity? Did he create us for peace or discord? Surely he has created us for love. Therefore we should live in accordance with his will. Do not listen to anything that is prejudiced, for self-interest prompts men to be prejudiced. They are thoughtful only of their own will and purposes. They live and move in darkness. Consider how many different nations and divergent religious beliefs existed when Christ appeared. Enmity and strife prevailed among them. Romans, Greeks, Assyrians, Egyptians, all warring and hostile toward each other. Christ, through the breast of the Holy Spirit, united them, established fellowship among them so that no trace of strife remained. Under his standard they became united and lived in peace through his teachings. Which is preferable and more commendable, to follow the example of Jesus Christ or to manifest the satanic instinct? Let us strive with all our power to unite the East and West so that the nations of the world may be advanced and that all may live according to the one foundation of the religions of God. The essentials of the divine religion are one reality, indivisible and not multiple. It is one. And when through investigation we find it to be single, we have a basis for the oneness of the world of humanity. I will pray for you, asking confirmation and assistance in your behalf. Yesterday I began reading the hidden words of Baha'u'llah and I read a portion of the introduction. It was a mistake just to read a portion. I'm going to read the whole thing today. 1858 Iraq, walking along the banks of the Tigris River, wrapped in meditation, Baha'u'llah, prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, reflected on the eternal relationship between God and man, on the purpose of life, on the obstacles that lie before man in the path of spiritual perfection. Out of such profound contemplation poured forth the inspiration for this absorbing collection of short meditational verses, in whose brief lines may be found a distillation of those spiritual truths that have been the central inspirational force behind all the religious traditions of the past. George Townshend, sometime canon of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, an archdeacon of Clonfort, an eminent scholar, described the hidden words. It has the sweep, 
the force, the freshness, and the original work. It is rich with imagery, laden with thought, throbbing with emotion. Even at the remove of a translation, one feels the strength and majesty of the style and marvels at the character of a writing which combines so warm and tender a loving kindness with such dignity and elevation. Revolving around man's constant struggle to acquire spiritual vision and divine perfections, the verses are interwoven throughout with loving counsels, gentle remonstrations, and words of wisdom, the whole borne up as if on wings by the most intense and steadfast spirituality. From the opening lines, the reader is captivated by the vision and drawn unprotesting from this earthly world to the mystic realms above where he may find at last an expression of the deepest impulses of his heart and mind. Over 150 verses, its exquisite beauty, majestic prose, and breadth of vision lend this small volume a timeless and universal quality, an outstanding contribution to the world's religious literature. Baha'u'llah, the author of The Hidden Words, was born in 1817 of an ancient and noble family in Persia. Like the founders of other religious religions before him, he suffered relentless persecution at the hands of both the clergy and the state in the land of his birth, and his cause was rejected by his own countrymen. Stripped of his possessions, imprisoned, tortured, and exiled from his native land, in 1868 he was finally consigned to life imprisonment in the penal colony of Akka, Palestine a gaol reserved for the lowest criminals of the Ottoman Empire, into whose hands he had been delivered by the Persian authorities. After almost forty years of unimaginable hardship in exile and confinement, it was here that he died at the age of seventy-four, still a prisoner. The writings of Baha'u'llah, despite the circumstances of his life, amount to more than one hundred volumes and commentaries, letters, prayers, and teachings. Of these, the hidden words is perhaps the best known, for many years, only a few treasured manuscripts of this book existed, passed from hand to hand and carefully concealed from those who opposed the infant religion. Now, however, this little volume has been translated from its original Persian and Arabic into 69 languages and is loved and learned by heart throughout the world, profoundly edifying a treatise to poetic form on the religious experience of mankind. Today I'm going to read the second one. O Son of Spirit, the best beloved of all things, in my sight is justice. Turn not away therefrom, if thou desirest me, and neglect it not, that I may confide in thee. By its aid thou shalt see with thine own eyes, and not through the eyes of others, and shalt know of thine own knowledge, and not through the knowledge of thy neighbor. Ponder this in thy heart, how it behooveth thee to be. Verily, justice is my gift to thee, and the sign of my loving kindness. Set it then before thine eyes. I'm going to close today with a prayer for spiritual growth. From the Baha'i Prayer Book, page 170. I beseech thee, O my God, by all the transcendent glory of thy name, to clothe thy loved ones in the robe of justice, and to illumine their beings with the light of trustworthiness. Thou art the one that hath power to do as he pleases, and who holdeth within his grasp the reins of all things, visible and invisible. Baha'u'llah. 
Thank you for tuning in to Scattering Angels today. We hope that you'll tune in again tomorrow and have a beautiful day. Thank you.